Welcome to The Ledge. My name is Chris Harper, and I'll be your host every week. Every Tuesday, I will interview an artist, developer, or creative mind from the Web3 space. I'll be getting up close and personal with my guests as we explore the emerging crypto art and NFT scene. It is my feeling, along with many others, that we are in a digital renaissance. The emergence of blockchain technology has revolutionized the way we look at ownership, provenance, and digital assets. It is my goal as your host to help shed light on these complex subjects, and even more so, the individuals behind it all who are carving out their place in history here on the ledge of Web3. Hi, good morning. My name is Chris Harper, and this is The Ledge. This morning, I'm interviewing Snuffy, who's a digital artist, a tattoo artist, and a fine artist from with a traditional art background. Um, and I'm here to just dig into your life a little bit, Snuffy, and get to know you better. How are you, man? I'm doing great. I'm having a great time. I feel like I keep doing all these different art mediums, and we should just cut them all out and just say artist. Because it's like, in two years, I'll be like, a uh, mural artist and surgeon or some shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> you are touching on a lot of different things, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I'm, I'm doing well. And thank you so much for having me uh, on your uh, podcast. I'm, I'm really glad that you're doing this because you've been, NFTs actually is what brought us together. And you've been extremely uh, bullish. And you're just one of those people that's been very adamant on, on connecting with other folks in this business. So I think I view that I see that in your in going into your other, um, other, you know, ventures in life. And that's kind of how you how you get ahead is like that human connection. Yeah, that's totally true, Snuffy, and I uh, I give you a lot of that credit, man. You were you were like my first in real life person that I met at through NFTs. <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about that too. I want to start off by asking you a couple of questions just about yourself. Can you just tell us like your name, your background? I, I don't want to know like who's Snuffy. Where where did you grow up? What your parents do? Where are you from? Where do you live? You can just start talking about yourself a little bit there. That would be really awesome. Yeah. Uh, so my name is uh, Julius Margulies, but everyone calls me Snuffy. And I was born in Jerusalem, which is inside of Israel. Uh, it's because I had a fight at the passport office. I learned that Jerusalem is actually not part of Israel. It's a state inside of Israel. Go oh. figure. <laughs> um, so then, yeah, I was like three uh, ran away from home to New York. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was, my parents moved. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Um, we moved to New York when I was, um, when I was like three. And then, yeah, I grew up in New York. You, did you go to public school or private school? What'd you do? Public school. Education? Yeah. Public school. Um, we lived in a pretty nice area. We lived in like a, a well-to-do area, but we were like not, we didn't have money, but we weren't, I guess we weren't like super poor, I guess. What'd I don't your parents, know. What'd your parents do, Steffi? What do your parents do for a living? My, my father, my mom's an artist and my father was a spine surgeon. Yeah. So tattooing kind of like made sense. <laughs> <laughs> I got to say like spine <laughs> surgery is kind of like art, right? <laughs> I mean, you got to. Oh, I would say it's way more. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's just so much more of the scalpel and that's it. You're paralyzed. Done. Yeah, that's it. Um, I don't know. I think, you know, it's, yeah, we, we came in from, from, from Israel and my pops was like working at, Montefiore or Maimonides or something and he was supporting you know all three brothers and my mom so all six of us and I don't know what it is now but at the time like when just because you were a doctor 
you didn't really make money unless you had private practice. So he was making like 35K a year in 1992 or 93 for six of us when we got here. So it was like, it wasn't like a... Um, you have three other siblings. Uh, I have three older brothers. Uh, one of them is a former opera singer who is now a full-time stand-up comedian. And he's hilarious. And his name is Adam Shore. S-H-O. I don't know. It's my, my grandfather's name. S-C-H-O-R. I'm not sure. But then he has his partner that he does comedy with. It's called Two Jews Comedy. And they do it in Berlin, and it's, like, pretty on the nose, and it's fucking hilarious. They all live here. And then my other brother has this pizza spot called Magic John's, and it's fucking crushing it. Uh, And then my oldest brother has a few restaurants here that are also just, like, doing spectacular. So, like, House of Small Wonder, maybe somebody who's listening has heard of it. It's in Berlin. used to be in New York. So yeah, my three brothers live here. My mom lives in Tel Aviv. My pops lives in Hell's Kitchen in the city. And um, yeah, I mean, that's where things are now. And in 1992, we were living in pretty much in like White Plains, New York. And then, yeah, just like grew up pretty fast. I mean, I've, I'm lucky enough if I jump ahead to... 2010 is when I got sober for the last, I guess the only time that I ever tried, that I ever got sober. And then I just, I never, before that, I didn't know what rehab was. Like before I really got arrested, like super bad, people would just like go away. And then I'd be like, oh, like where did like Jeff go? And they'd be like, oh, he's in rehab. And I'm like, did he like, <laughs> fuck his knee up or something like what, what's going on <laughs> like no and i'm just I, like, I, I, you know you know obviously you and i have, have talked a lot about this because we yeah. connect on that level i've been recovering myself and uh we've talked you know a good bit about this so i totally get yeah. it. how how old are you snuffy uh 32 you're 32 so i'm a yeah. little bit older than you but it was the same story when i was a kid you know like uh kids you know teenagers when they disappeared and be like yeah where'd chris go he's always oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's gone he went to florida <laughs> what i think it's still like what? that today but my buddy's son just went to rehab <laughs> so it's mm. like you know like it's still a thing you know like that's still, yeah. that's still going on <laughs> Tell me about your education, especially like like your art education. Do you have any formal training as an artist? No. At all? No. No. I went to um, I went to school for construction management. So that was like one part construction management, one part management, one part um, estimation, and one part engineering, and one part <laughs> architecture. So it's like you never told me that, and you know I'm a general contractor. We've talked yeah, a bunch of times. You I, never told me I you have like an education I. in construction. <laughs> yeah, I told you. I thought I told you that. Yeah, uh, I went maybe. to school for that. That's what my degree is in is in construction right management. So interesting. Interesting. At a certain time in life, if you needed to know, you know, how many pounds of like, you know, one and a quarter inch drywall screws you need to put in a skyscraper. I could have figured that out for you. <laughs> you got the formula. <laughs> yeah, now or not really. Uh, right. I mean, sure, I could figure it out. I have the tools, but it's, you know, it's a muscle. It's like you don't train that muscle. So then, yeah, that's my. When, that's when, like did, my, you, when did you decide, oh, I'm not going to be in construction, I'm going to be an artist? Or is that something you used to art? Is something, did, so were you dabbling in art as a child? Do you have any? What's your background with art? Um, well, the construction thing, like, um, hmm. I guess in a nut, in, in like a, the long and short is I went to school for construction and got into some trouble and started doing real estate. And it sort of just evolved where it was like, I, I realized like the reason I went to school for construction, of course, there's many reasons, but the primary one was like, you know, in the event of some sort of like apocalyptic thing, everyone needs a place to live. So I was like, 
I'll just fucking learn how to do that. So I did that. And then I went in and, and prior to that, I was really always kind of interested in um, building things or like, it, it was just like when I was a kid, um, after we moved to the U S like there was my parents, like started building this house and I was really into it. It was a design build firm that did stuff like Frank Lloyd Wright style. So I was like really, um, just into this like idea of, of like designing something and then like seeing it come to life. So yeah. So anyway, then went to school and then got into some trouble and got a job as a real estate agent. And then I was just like, fuck it. And I just like meshed the two together and became a landlord and then just started like doing some shit with some properties and whatever. And then once I like, I had set objectives and once I like hit those goals, then I kind of like just got really sad because I don't know, just like didn't, didn't work the way it, like on paper, I was very successful at a young age, like did really well. Right. On. Um, but, but like, you weren't, you weren't fulfilled. Well, yeah, I guess. I don't know. Like I was, it's kind of like, I don't know. Was like, did I'll, I'll use the Michael Jordan example. It's like, did he stop after one fucking championship? Did Tom Brady stop after one championship? Like, you know, why not? Well, because like they won one and they just want to keep winning more and doing more. And it's just at a certain point, it's like, you know, I reach my cap of like, all right, I'm kind of sick of this sport, you know, this real estate game. It's like not really for me. Or I mean, it's not for me as like a plan A. Like I can, I know real estate like the back of my hand. So like if I ever, you know, reach a point where it's like, I need to put money somewhere then I just put it in real estate because it's like, for me, it's like how some people are really good at investing. Like they just know they could like read futures or whatever, you know, for me, that's like with real estate. Um, but yeah, I just reached this point where I wasn't really like, I was just depressed. Actually. I didn't feel like I found myself like in society. I didn't feel like I had like, um the appreciation of like peers i didn't feel like i was like utilizing like my highest like creative uh abilities like i didn't even know what my creative abilities were anymore because i like, stunted my emotional growth with drugs and my creative growth and like everything and then like sort of like funneled myself out when i got sober into like just like s- stabilizing my life like financially and like at that point I was be it was fulfilling to like just just to achieve something like as an upstanding citizen. Like that was a fulfillment and that was a goal and that was great. But I reached twenty eight, I think, and I was just like, all right, I'm time to time to grow from this and like so yeah, so then um as far as like art education, I just like went to YouTube University and like learned how to draw and Two weeks later, I was tattooing, and then, what? and then it just was like, there somebody that you were watching. Do you remember, like, you know, do you had did you, was there something in particular, or just just with like random YouTube videos? I mean, I watched as much of everything as I could. I watched like the history of tattoos. I mean, that's when I started tattooing. When I started drawing, it wasn't even really. I don't know. It wasn't even really like. I just kind of like got this drawing book. And I like zoomed through it in like a day and I reached a certain chapter where I was like, this is dumb. I don't like this. And then I just like took like a figurine. It was like an owl figurine that my ex-girlfriend had. And I just like put it on the table and then I just looked at it and drew it. But you're not that kind of artist. Anybody that looks at your art, like you certainly have your own unique style. Like it's very yeah, but it's, it's a I'm very an unique style i don't even know what you call that what do you call i guess your style? i just um like yeah like uh 
uh, contradicting uh, real surrealism or some shit. No. It's like black and white surreal. Yeah, like a little. There's like a little bit of like Dolly kind of Dolly esque kind of vibe to what you're yeah. doing. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think like that kind of stuff takes time to develop, and like being a being an addict and having that personality type or that like character trait or facet that just means that like anything that I do, I just completely dive in. And so, you know, it's never like it's, it's, um, it's, a obsession. it's mostly just about like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's an obsession, but I think, you know, I've been, I've been producing music for, for like 15 years. And what music, producing music taught me was like to learn to say, all right, this is, this is done. Um, and move forward. And I, I'm really grateful that I learned that skill because like, if I didn't, then I would only have ever produced like one song and it would never be done. And that would be the same. Let me, let me shoot this at you and and maybe this will help people that are listening and kind of understand what you're talking about because, you know, I'm, I'm also a recovering alcoholic addict. So I, I'm into Mm. that, uh, that mentality that you're talking about. And I think one thing that alcoholics and addicts in general suffer from something called chronic discontentedness, like where we're just never happy with whatever the thing is, you know, like we can always find fault with something, you know, like you know, like your art, you can create it and then just keep looking at it and fixing it and, or the music, like you're talking about, you can always make it just a little better. Yeah. I guess when there's things that you love, then you're always trying to make them better or like make them as best as you can. What kind of music did you produce or do you produce? Are you a musician or you just, uh, you just do the mixing? Yeah, how do you, I mean, how I, do you play? I used to play guitar and the trumpet and piano and stuff, but I've like kind of lost my, my general skills from it. So I'm more of like a producer and less of a musician, gotcha. but I mean, that's sort of, that's irrelevant. It's more just like, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, a boxer, right? A boxer might also learn how to dance like salsa or something because like those hip movements are like, you know, will help like in the ring. And so in that sense, like my brother's laughing at me. He doesn't like my jokes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's a good example though. Did you got a metaphor for everything and your art's always like a metaphor for something too, man. It's like, it's your well, superpower. <laughs> it's really true. Yeah. Well, I think it's important to uh, pull skills from like everything, you know, that, that makes you like a well-rounded individual. That's what makes, that's, that's what makes you, or that's what makes everybody unique is like their set of skills that they've, you know, gained over, their their time so um so i mean so i interrupted you about the boxer i want to hear the boxer metaphor now (laughs) oh the boxer metaphor is simple it's like you know a boxer might dance like learn how to dance salsa so that they can you know i don't fucking know like move their hips better in the ring you know and that's where the power comes from in a punch right so it's just like just an example right just to loosen up um, and so with music, it taught me to, or I just like honed the, the skill of saying, all right, this is done. And so that's the same, that's, that's how it works with art. The, you know, you have to like, you have to know when to say like that a piece is done and when to move forward and, and move on. So I'm not quite sure how we got there. I think we were talking about the tattooing stuff. Yeah, we're so to, about, let's, let's go down that road a little bit. So you started tattooing, and you just like picked up, you just picked up a pen and paper, and started drawing, and then all of a sudden you were like, "Now I'm a tattoo artist." How'd you? How did you get someone to allow you to <laughs> experiment on them? Who was your first? You know, how did that work? Well, so I want to 
in between tattooing someone and starting to draw, okay. I got a tattoo license, which is like just a health thing, but it's really important. So like anyone that's listening, if you're trying to do anything, if there's a license required, especially when it comes to people's health, then that's paramount. I mean, this is the first thing that anyone should do. For sure. Um, safety first. Is like, yeah, not yeah. safety third. Unless <laughs> it's after 3 a.m. in Ibiza. No, okay. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Just got back from Ibiza. It's pretty sick. I, I um, saw that. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, how did I let pe- how did people let me draw on them? Uh, I developed this community of people through my real estate. So um, my brother and I had this building in Williamsburg and it just sat empty because our tenants went bankrupt and blah, blah, blah. And so being young and in New York, I decided to just let anyone who wanted to make art and be creative come do that at the studio or at the building, which became the studio. And then... Um, and then when I started tattooing, I had hundreds of friends that just wanted a tattoo. People's, you know, standards are pretty low. So they're just like, you, you could draw, you're my friend and it's free. So cool. (laughs) Have at it. And so, and so, yeah, just like rapid fire just pumped out like hundred, 200 tattoos in the first two months. And like it was the craziest learning curve like ever. And then, yeah, I think just by virtue of like, so then came time to start charging money because there's just like, you know, it's like, it's my time. It's like, so just so much work and so much work. So I started charging money. And then I started messing around with like entertaining my own sort of, designs and developing my process of people writing their story and then turning that into a piece of art and so it just like evolved and it evolved very quickly and um so so that's um, a i'm glad you brought that up because um i wanted to talk about that i uh i actually have a snuffy tattoo on my leg and i'm uh, very that i'm very proud of Uh, um but somebody can't come to Snuffy and say, I want a picture of an eagle where you draw me a picture of an eagle and tattoo it on me. You don't do that. That's not your process. Tell me what you do. No. Um, so everyone, it's uh, to, for me to make a piece of art, I'm, I really put like, I mean, just like we talked about, just like I completely dive in. And so what happens is like, I really give myself to that particular piece of art. And, um, and so actually like I can get money anywhere. It's like the money doesn't matter. It's like, is the person who's sharing this piece of art with me, like willing to, um, give me a piece of themselves too. Um, because yeah, the art, has turned into this thing that means so much to me. Um, so anyway, um, the way it works is people write me a story and if I connect with that story, then, uh, then I make art out of it and then we tattoo. So. And you, so you yeah, decide, so, you decide what the tattoo is. You decide where it's going to go. You decide when you're going to do it, you decide it all. I mean, it's, it's yeah, no, I kind of, yeah. It's an experience to come get a tattoo from you. I must (laughs) say from my own personal experience with that, like, it's like, you know, I have a bunch of tattoos. I'm all tattooed all over. So I've spent hours and hours in tattoo chairs in my lifetime, but I never had an experience getting a tattoo like I had with you, which was, one of the most memorable experiences I'll ever have, you know, like I, uh, I loved that like completely. I just cherish it. Honestly, it was, it was really cool, man. What parts of it were you most, uh, I guess what parts of it stuck with you the most? So I love the idea that, uh, that you're deciding what the art is going to be and where it's going to go. I had an idea when I, 
engaged you to do a tattoo for me that I wanted to get my ribs tattooed. And you had the idea that you wanted it to go on my leg. <laughs> you had this specific piece after you read my story that I wrote. But the whole experience of going to New York, I live in South Carolina. So just like going to New York, coming to find your building, which is in Williamsburg. It's not like, you know, you don't have some big flashy sign out front. Like it's a, like a little graffitied metal door, you know, and you got like, mm. I, I wasn't even sure if I was in the right place. Um, you know, you go up like kind of this dark stairway and then you're into your like studio. When I got up there, there was like four or five really hip looking people hanging out on the couch and you're at your computer, <laughs> like banging out some like NFTs. And uh, you got like this super hot model girlfriend who's like hanging out oh in the background. <laughs> and there's like a couple of artists in the downstairs, like somebody's down there painting and there's like a, another tattoo artist from Israel there. And like, I mean, it was just like a whole vibe, man. Like it was like, I just felt like, I was like so happy to be there, you know, and be in that environment. And then you and I had that great conversation we had. We spent all day together. We talked and tattooed and it was just, uh, you know, awesome, man. I really, uh, I just never will forget that. And obviously I have the tattoo now to remind me if I ever (laughs) start to forget. So what is, uh, what is the story of your tattoo as you remember it? Yeah, I believe, um, I don't remember exactly the story I wrote, but I'm sure I was talking to you about my own struggle with addiction and alcoholism. Um, and also, you know, at that time, you know, I was doing a ton of traveling. So it was just like, I was always going somewhere. I think it was a connection of like traveling and then like also battling with my, mm-hmm. my own, you know, not battling. I wasn't really battling. I, at the time I was there, I had you know, a substantial years sober, but I, uh, you know, but, but it's something that's always with us, right. That addiction's always there, you know, right. so we're all, we're always in, in, in combat with it in some way if we're, if we're sober. Yeah. It manifests. It's just how we can, how we direct it, you know, in, in which, in, in which path we, we direct our addiction. Um, yeah, and I think like somebody like you, like yourself, you you know, you, like you're not saying that you don't have it, but you're channeling it into something that's super positive. You know, you're creating art and inspiring people and building something. You know, which is really awesome. Can only try, but you know what I take away from all of this is like, you know, especially with with tattooing, and if I look at why it it grew so fast. Uh, and why, yeah, really like why tattooing grew so fast was because it was very pure. I had no agenda. It was just like making art about how I felt and basically using people's stories to trigger my feelings and like express that. So that's why it's like a real connection between like, you know, my client and myself. And so making something that was like true and pure and fulfilling and then giving it out to the world to see. Um, I think that formula was really, uh, was really powerful. So it's really just like being fucking honest and not, and not corny, you know, that's like, cool. I mean, I hope I wasn't corny. I'm sure I've done corny shit. Um, it just happens. Yeah, I, guess. I don't call. I wouldn't call what you're doing corny at all. And you've you've made a name for yourself in the tattoo world. Like I, I think you've tattooed some pretty famous people. And like you know, you, you're you're you seem to me to be always booked, and uh, you know, and you're living this life where you're traveling around the world. You got this, you know. Like I said, you're, you're traveling with your girlfriend, who's a model. She's super you know, super beautiful girl. You're living in LA, you're living in New York, you're living in Berlin, you're in Ibiza, you know, I mean, you seem to have done very well with it. Yeah. I mean, I think what's important about, um, I guess when it comes to my girlfriend, um, I think what's really special is that she's, I mean, like, you know, her profession is, is, is being a model, but she's like multi, multi-talented and and just like i think the most important thing about a partner is somebody who 
well, it's not the most important thing, but I think something that really helps me is, is the, the peace and like, uh, the peace that I have. Um, there's this thing with art, with like art or music or any of these things where it's like, you know, you need chaos and drugs and despair to like create something great. And I think like, if you can master like that's the easy way to make great things is like through pain. But if you can make great things, even when you're not in pain, then you're a master of that craft. And I think what's for me, what's been so powerful is, is having, um, a, a, you know, a partner in my life that like really inspires me and that gives me that peace. And like, I know that she's like extremely supportive and I'm extremely supportive of her. Dude, that's so incredible to have that, uh, you know, to have somebody that with you that's doing that for you, you know, for sure. I feel that in my own relationship, you know, like I, you know, I'm with somebody that's just supportive of all my weird endeavors. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. For sure. Yeah. For sure. I think it's important to, to like, per, you know, profession aside, you know, the people who we choose to spend our time with should contribute. Um, so whether that's like um, emotionally or financially, like I have no idea in, in some way, everyone should contribute to each other. Um, you know, and, and, in many ways, it's it's just like being optimistic, but not not with like a front, you know. Mm-hmm. Just like genuinely yeah. looking at the the positive parts of a situation, because it's just you know every like imagine I don't know imagine like a really shitty thing that happens. Can you think of one? I have to think of a lot of shitty things that happen. Sure. Just give me one and I'll point out the <laughs> the good thing about it. Mm, well, let's just say, well, in my business, it's a shitty thing that happens in my business is when somebody's not paying their bills. <laughs> you know, I'm in the construction business, right? Sure. Yeah. So what I would say is this is an opportunity to um, approach yourself on why, you know, either you didn't command the respect to get the bill paid or you didn't, you know, take a contingency that would cover your expenses, or you need a better fucking manager or enforcer, you know, like, so, so every, every thing that happens, like we have our, an effect. That's the, that's the thing that, you know, that's the thing that addiction gave to me is to understand that, like, I play a role in everything. It's just an exercise in critical thinking. It's almost like yeah. if, uh, you're talking about thinking like first principles almost. Yeah. I mean, it's like if your girl cheats on you, you're like, oh my God, she cheated on, she cheated on me. It's like, well, you, you did something to make her feel unwanted, not special. And, and so, yeah, maybe she's just like a shitty person and maybe it's like, you know, not. And, and so, you know, I'm not saying like every person should like take, you know, take these things like to such extremes that that they like um sort of hurt themselves like emotionally or physically because of like mistakes or because of like you know trouble or adversity but um we can always learn from these things like what our role it was in it and then um and how do we approach it better so that it doesn't happen again no, that's an incredible way to describe uh, critical thinking about yourself. And and honestly, Snuffy, I mean, I think if you and I really think about it, like probably most people don't think that way. Most people, most people, if they have if they're facing some type of adversity in their life, like the somebody won't pay their bill, or my girlfriend cheats on me, or whatever the thing is, the the first step is to like just blame other people, right? Like that's yeah. our first like. Like it's their fault, you know, like this person did this to me. So now I'm in, you know, most people don't think the way you're talking to like, look at yourself. Like what's my part in it? What's my part in it is, uh, is a hard thing to get for a lot of people. Yeah. And I guess it's actually hard, you know, a very common thing. And like, I guess there's, I haven't been to like Narcotics Anonymous or Alcoholics Anonymous in like, 
six years, right? Mm -hmm. But I remember them always being like, if there was only like a book, a 12-step program for everybody, you know, for not just alcoholics and stuff, then the world would be a better better place. Well, for those of us in recovery, Snuffy, a lot of us who have exposure to like the 12-step stuff, right? Like yeah. a bunch, you know, you, maybe you've had a sponsor at some time in your life, you know, a sp- that's kind of like what a sponsor would do for you. So, mm. you know, you're going through the problem of, oh, my girlfriend cheated on me and my, you know, my customer didn't pay his bill and you're, you know, bitching to your sponsor about it. And your sponsor's job would be to say, hey, let's look at your part in this, you know, set, right, their, yeah. side, set their part aside and let's look at, you know, what did you do? Right. You know, why did you make her feel, you know, unwanted? Why did you... <laughs> You know, maybe you didn't do your job well enough. This person didn't pay you. Interesting way totally. of thinking. I want to yeah, ask sorry, you some we questions. Like... No, no, no. We went down a little rabbit hole there. It's totally, yeah. it's, it's all good. My it's bad. good. That's why, that's what I want to do. I, this, this interview is to get really personal with you. You know, my hope is to, you know, get to know you better and let your, the people who are buying your art get to know you better. The more people connect with you, the, the more, uh, likely maybe they are to connect with your art. I wanted to ask you some questions about digital art and how you got from tattoos to NFTs. Like that's a pretty big leap, right? Yeah. Um, not really, I guess. So first I'll give you a bullet point of all the tools that I use. Okay. So I have a pencil, I have paper, I have Photoshop, I have Adobe Premiere, I have Adobe After Effects, I have Apple um, iPad Procreate. I have a camera on my phone, like everyone else does. I have the library, well, not the library, but like the bookstore. And then Cinema 4D, fucking Blender and, and all those. So those are all the tools that I have. Um, but prior to um, like NFT stuff, I embarked on this fine art thing which was like four years ago i was like i want to put my work on a bigger arena a bigger audience of people so i started making fine art all of this stuff can be seen on like www.snuffy.myc and it's like the home page is the about and it kind of gives like just like a high level thing of like my fine art all the stuff I've made, designed, artwork, clothes, capsule collection, all that stuff. So you can like go there and look. So I made fine art and it's really, really difficult to capture the art that I made because there's so much, because it's made of glass and metal and mirrors. There's so much reflection and, and so it's really hard and there's lights involved. It's really difficult to capture. So I decided to animate. And then just like that, uh, one of the producers from Nifty Gateway had already followed me uh, and was like a fan of my work. And I was like, oh, you have a drop button, Nifty Gateway. And I was like, sweet. And then I just was like, what is Nifty Gateway? So it was like, <laughs> you didn't know what it was. <laughs> no, I was like, I have no fucking clue. Like, I didn't fucking, nobody, there was no crash course about like what this shit was. Right. Like, right. There was no. <laughs> clear like nobody knew like i was like what aspect ratio should i make my art and they're like we don't know and i was like can you guide me and they're like whatever you feel like and i was like well how are people watching this stuff like how are they experiencing it and it was just impossible so because of you know my my character traits i won't you know i decided if i'm going to do this i want to do this the best way so i burned like two macbooks and then I was like, all right, I'm going to need a new computer. <laughs> so, like, I just fried them. They just, like, melted. It was like... Like, ren- like rendering like rendering yeah, stuff? Yeah, just, like, oh, too wow. much stuff on it. Too much, like, CPU, GPU. Like, I don't even... I had to learn all that stuff. And I said I didn't do that great of a job because I'm a CPU, <laughs> GPU. But, yeah, just, like, it was. it's it's really difficult because you're... It's learning... it's a learning entire new language Mm -hmm. um so but the cool thing is that like i always wanted to turn you know the way that i designed tattoos is i designed them for 
there's they're 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 just still images so there needs to be movement and motion and in that still image but i've always viewed those every every one of the tattoos as like um sort of like um the fuck are those things called a storyboard like just Got like a, a storyboard that actually can be turned into a sculpture and mm-hmm. fucking animation like brought to other mediums that's how i viewed it and I so gotcha. when it came to learning like full-blown animation i didn't have to imagine what i wanted i was like oh i want to make this thing come to life that i've already made so it's like if you view each one of my tattoos as a fucking blueprint for a building that's just all it is so like i i have like infinity artworks that i can go and turn into something completely different that it's just like it just started from and you're from talking about the stencils of your tattoos and you have a place yeah. where you keep all of those right yeah it's called the snuffy 500 oh are you yep. talking about the toilet <laughs> yeah the toilet oh <laughs> i keep all my stencils in a toilet it's from mexico and it's a long story you have we'll this get, beautiful we'll like, next podcast you have this beautiful like uh, ornate toilet in your uh studio there mm. where when you're done with the stencil it goes into the toilet right yeah yeah, it does. Yeah. Well, I, it's, I mean, I, we might have to do another podcast. There's so much to cover. I mean, I took all the stencils and I made the snuffy 500. So that's a collection. It's completely def, uh, deflationary. There's 555 pieces of which I think like a hundred or so or have been removed from circulation. Wow. Um, there's a couple of tattoo tokens. If you own a tattoo token, then you can basically skip my wait list. Um, but you need to bring the tattoo token to like level five or level six to get like mm. a full like day session with me. Mm. Um, there's only one of them for sale. It's like 20 ETH, I think. Otherwise, you have to wait two years to get tattooed by me. Yeah, what people don't know is like you've got like a hardcore f- group of followers. Like you've the, the people that follow you are like hardcore snuffy followers, man. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, the thing is the way that the Snuffy 500 worked was everybody who ever got a tattoo by me uh was given the tat was given the NFT just for gas. Unfortunately, gas was exorbitant at the time, which sucked, but um right. But I think the 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 thought you know the the, the thought was there like uh, fucking what am I gonna yeah. do fucking give it to you for free and pay the gas like this shit is like it's you know there's a line and like if I could afford it I would have honestly for but sure. it's like there's nothing I could do I don't think anybody well, had a problem I could paying go the gas I didn't have a problem paying the gas for mine I'll just say that I was yeah. happy to pay the gas. <laughs> um. So, yeah, so that brought in my old community with my current community and just meshed them all together. And everybody kind of hangs out in your Discord. Yeah, the Discord has been quiet a little, I guess. I'm not sure. I think it has to do with I think it's because you're traveling and you're busy and it's summer and everybody's doing their own thing right now. But your Discord Discord vibes, when it's vibing, it's it's vibing. Crazy, right? Well, what I'm excited for is for September – this new project is about to launch, I think, in October. I've been working on it for pretty much an entire year. That's why I've been like tucked away. Mm-hmm. Um, it is um, by by far the most um, cerebral, uh, thought out, uh, interactive, and just genuinely like the. I'm trying to use all the big words I know. Uh, wait, any other big words? <laughs> super duper. It is the most super duper fucking project I've ever done in my life. It is. Do you want to tell massive. us what, what it is? Can you talk about it's it? It's called is- Looking In. Yeah, it's called Looking In. Um, it is a project of self discovery. Mm-hmm. Um, it's. 
essentially um, people people come to me to uh, well, let's start from the very top, right? The thesis is I'm holding a phone up to the screen. If you're not going to show the video, thesis is if I could do any project ever in the world, it would be that all social media, all of it gets shut down one time a week. Unfortunately, that's never going to happen. It's just not. So the idea is like, um, I can't, I can't take phones away from people, but like phones aren't all bad. So like if this phone is a knife, it could either cut my skin or it can cut my food. So how can I make some project that takes this technology and uses it for good? So I wanted to take, um, take sort of a stab at, um, at my tattoo process. Um, I only have two hands, so I, it can only affect, you know, a few people a week. And I wanted to try and scale this. So basically what we've done is we've taken, um, we've, we've sort of automated this process of being tattooed by me, right? So people write me a story and they actually think like the tattoo is the therapy. When in reality, it's them opening themselves up to me, writing their story, knowing I'm going to read it. And, you know, over and over, it's identifying themselves through this like traumatic thing that's in their life. And, and that process of like writing and journaling is actually what, uh, is, is, is what's valuable in, in, the, to me in tattooing. It's not the tattoo. It's, you know, the tattoo is just like a receipt of that moment. The time spent with the client, that's like an added benefit. But like the real meat and potatoes is like people really finding out kind of a little bit more about themselves. I love how you described the tattoo as the receipt of the experience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it is. You've told me that that's before. Like, I love that. Yeah, that's totally true. It's like the closing of that chapter. So or of that moment, right? So, so we pretty much developed this like system where people go through like a set of questions. And for every single question, I've hand drawn specific thing. And in the end, there's like, uh, there's 120 total questions for now, but there's different levels to which uh, the project gets released. Um, and basically in the end, people are, uh, um, put, given a clinical result of their, uh, personality domain and facet. Uh, so they understand a little bit better about who they actually are, um, through this process. Um, so in effect, like it's a self discovery process, uh, project. It's for everybody and it just happens to be sold as an nft that's awesome so a lot of your stuff's on nifty gateways i think like most you have a super rare you have one you have a one-on-one on super rare right Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. everything else you've dropped i think is on nifty gateways are you still working with them how does that work yeah i mean i've i'm on i'm on foundation and super rare nifty and open c okay well obviously i mean open c is the easy one Right. Uh, and yeah, I mean, to be honest, I, we don't know who we, who we're going to partner with for this project. Um, it's just such a massive thing. So, I mean, I'm sort of prematurely, I know we're dropping in October. I've been working on it all year, but I'm still like really close to it. So really Mm -hmm. just like explaining it in a very succinct way. Like I kind of gave you a very, you know, clinical breakdown of what it is. It's not extremely attractive to whoever's listening, but I guess if, if somebody's listening and made it this far, then 
you know, all the things that I do come with a lot of thought. And in the end, they're delivered with a very sort of succinct message. You, you know, I think I can say, I mean, I could say that confidently. If you look at my art, it's all very, like, it's all delivered, like, clearly. So a lot of thought goes into it. But then, like, you know, it's it's presented in a very digestible way. So you can expect the same with this project. I don't know if you see this like I do, but, you know, one really unique facet to the like whole quote unquote web three world and the whole web three community like nft twitter is that tons of people on here are really interested in not only art artists but a lot of people are connected to like self-discovery and mental health mental health awareness i see a ton of that um you know it sounds like you're kind of you know you're playing off of that a little bit as well yeah this is very much that if you want to know about who you are um you know your sort of personality traits uh and facets like clinically and you're into sort of being part of a larger community where we can share stories and sort of cope with life's hardships um as as a squad then this is the project for you and if you're into dope art and you don't give a shit about that other stuff, then it's also the project for you. Um, yeah, I think that's that's really it. I think it's actually approaching, like, I think I, I want to just always do things with intent and purpose. And I can easily draw, like, a penguin with, like, five dicks on it and, like, make a PFP on about it and, like, and cash in. But I'm just not of that... Um, I'm not of that school. Like, I just can't do it. It's my, my integrity just won't let me like, no offense to like dick faces or whatever it is. Like, that's cool. It's just not for me. Can't do it. Yeah. Steffi, how do you, how do you, uh, how do you value your art? So how do you, you know, how do you view like floor prices and how do you put a value on stuff that you're creating? Do you think about that at all? Is that something that goes through your head when you're launching these projects? Yeah. Yeah, I mean there's different you you know if you look at art you have you know I don't know take like the Mona Lisa. You have one Mona Lisa and then you have the prints that you can buy at the Louvre. And then you have the you know like the screenshots that you could take of it on your phone. And it's like the different, you know, levels of ownership for sure. But then you also have like, yeah, I mean, maybe the Mona Lisa's, whatever, we'll just use that as an example. Like there's a price for a one of one. There's price for edition pieces. There's price for, you know, screen prints, you know, of, you know, of, of the same piece. So, um, you know, as I continue through this process, there's like, I only have 11 one of one pieces out there. Um, I have on my website, I have a full catalog, full and a leaderboard of all my collectors and points attributed to them. Cause it's kind of like I sell my art based on the art and then there's no utility. Like um, I don't give a shit for that, but then I create utility cause I think it's funny to just tell people to fuck off. And if you don't like my art, then don't buy it. And then, dude, I have a good amount of your art. And when you did that leaderboard, I thought I would be like, I was like, yeah, I got a lot of stuff. I'll probably be up there. Dude, you've got some whales. There's some people out there with a, like a lot of stuffy art. <laughs> there's yeah, there's definitely some savages. And I mean, <laughs> it's, I'm excited for, for what's to come. And, and to answer your question about pricing art, I'm lucky because I have a value as a tattoo artist. Um, my day rate is $6,000 a day. Um, my, my, and, and I just don't tattoo that much because I, I like to have a diversified, uh, experience in creating art. So like it takes time that it takes time to produce the art that I produce because I have a small brain and I have to think really hard. About what I'm doing. <laughs> no, um, I probably do, but the point is, I don't. I 
I tattoo, like I, I get the benefit of like understanding my value as a tattoo artist. So there's that sort of cost. And then I have my gallery, like art gallery, fucking fine art prices. And then I have my NFT stuff. So it kind of like sort of this wide like data set of like what my value is as an artist. Um, and so that's how I, that's how I price. It. I kind of like triangulate. Um, but yeah, right now it's like a race between the value of my fine art and my NFTs, which is like pretty exciting, honestly. And I'm kind of like bridging that. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that the, about the gallery. I've, I went to a grand opening of one of your shows. I just happened to be in that New York that week. And I was lucky enough to come to that. That was really incredible to be able to see that. Can you talk about your fine art just a little bit and tell us what gallery you're in? Where can we find you? What do you have any upcoming shows, anything about that you want to talk about? Yeah. So I'm in a group show with like a lot of dead artists which is going to be in October. Um, it's on Bond Street. It's called Palo Gallery. That's my that's the gallery that represents me. And then in October, I'm sorry, in March, I'll have my full-on Lightbox show, which will be tied into um, this next project that's coming out, sort of. And um, so the art is, I think, a lot of a lot of NFT sort of folks have come by and seen the work it's um it's metal frame backlit um hand drawn on glass and then the art is sort of you ever see those machine drawings of like like an engine and they kind of like pull it apart and they show like the screws going in and it's like this is like the piston and it's like all separated it's like a patent drawing so all my artwork is separated like that onto the glass screens and like backlit. And uh, I mean, it took like three years to really refine. No, it reminds me of encyclopedias when I was a kid and they had like the overlays, you know, you would pull the oh, overlay, yeah. you know, you remember like it would show the human anatomy and you pull this one and it shows the skin. This one's the bones. This one's the muscles. This one's the tendons, you know, it's like, it's just that's like what it that. Reminds yeah. Me. yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's the fine art stuff. And, um, and yeah, I'm really grateful. I have like an amazing, um, group of folks around me that believe in me and, and, uh, and want to support me and, and, uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm always open to, uh, I think I always ask questions in the sense of like, you know, I, I don't go it alone, you know? So I always, I'm always, uh, I'm not shy to ask like, what do you think we should price this at? Or, you know, how, and so, I mean, I just had that conversation yesterday with my gallerist cause I'm painting this piece right now. Um, and I'm just like, you know, should I paint something else? Are you, is this gonna, are you, can you sell something so controversial? <laughs> so, <laughs> right, on. <laughs> right on, man. So you'll see it, but dude, yeah. I'm, 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 uh, I'm so, so happy that you took an, uh, took this time to talk to me this morning. We're kind of coming up on the top of the hour. The last thing I wanted to ask you, is there anything you want to say about yourself or your art or your vision of the future that I didn't ask you about? No, I think October is, uh, October is the month of self-discovery, mental health, and um, yeah, the Looking In project is. Can anybody come join you in your Discord? Is your Discord open to the to just general like public? It's like anybody wants to vibe with Snuffy, can they get in there? Yeah, my Discord's open to the public. Um, it's, I guess, the safest way is to go through my Twitter and then to my link tree or to my website. Yeah, the website's the easiest, snuffy.nyc, S-N-U-F-F-Y dot N-Y-C. And that'll take you to everywhere, to the Twitter, to Discord, um, to the leaderboard, to all the past projects and everything that's, that's cool. We'll on. put a link to your website in the show notes too. So anybody listening, if they want to come check you out, they want to find your website, they can just click on that link and come see Amazing. Yeah. 
Amazing. Dude, what do you what how long are you in Berlin and when are you coming back to the United States? Uh I'll be back in on Sunday, I think. Um I have a meeting I have like a meeting that I have to attend, which will be next Tuesday. And then yeah, I'll be in the US for a little bit. Amazing. <laughs> Good talk this morning, Snuffy. It's really uh, my my pleasure to catch up with you. Uh, you know, I consider you to be a friend, and uh, I, I always enjoy our talks and love catching up with you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast this morning, man. Thank you so much, and uh, the feelings mutual. I really appreciate it, Chris. Well, this concludes another episode of The Ledge. I'd like to thank my listeners. My name is Chris Harper, and you can join me here weekly on Tuesdays when we drop our next episode. You can also find me on social media. My Twitter is Harper underscore underscore Chris, or you can catch me on Instagram at ChrisHarper.eth. Thank you guys, and I'll see you guys out on The Ledge. The Ledge.